mega info pod for you. The latest on free agency and Kyrie and LeBron in Dallas uh, with the NBA insider, Sham Sharania. And we're going to talk about the transfer portal and the NIL with Bruce Feldman. Awesome piece about all the tampering that's going on and what percentage of these NIL deals actually come through on the promised number to the athlete. That life advice, Kyle, is already back east getting ready for wedding season and we'll update his look. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter-player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Uh, he's the co-host of FanDuel TV's Run It Back, and he is the senior lead NBA insider. Everybody knows his work. It's Sham Sharania. And it's uh, it's good to do this, man. We've never done this, so I'm fired up. I'm, I'm excited to do it. It was good seeing you in Chicago when we were back there covering the combine. Um, so, yeah, debut episode. Okay, so we got to start with the Kyrie stuff. Um, you reported yesterday that he'd reach out to LeBron, maybe not about... Uh, the Lakers destination, but if he would potentially go back to Dallas, uh, it would be really hard, all the moving parts. So, you know, this league, I like to remind myself all the time when I see something like that can't work and be like, all right, well, it's, there's a very few things that are impossible, but what, what's the deal with this story and Kyrie's motivation? Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I think you look at it from a, from a, a broader perspective and I look at it is this is a guy Kyrie Irving that's going into unrestricted free agency coming up here in July 1. He's going to be a free agent. I think what this is showing that clearly he's out there putting his recruiting cap on. I think he's trying to go get talent um, to come to Dallas potentially and I think him seeking that out with LeBron James and the, the last two years the, the entire conversation has been about Kyrie Irving going to the Lakers, teaming up with LeBron, Anthony Davis in LA um, but now you, you kind of flip that that script. And I think what this shows is I think Kyrie Irving, he, he, before he makes his decision, I think to go back to Dallas and as he's going through this decision over the next month plus, and, and as it goes into June 30th and July 1, when free agents can uh, you know, sign contracts or agree to contracts, uh, you know, I think him and Luka Doncic both want this Mavericks team to get better. And to me, LeBron James obviously represents the the epitome of that. Like if you can get a guy like that, I mean, that's, that's, you know, the, the, the top, I mean, that's a white whale. That's the guy that, I mean, if, if you're really trying to go get, go get a guy uh, that after the season made some comments that at least opened the door toward his playing feature being in question. Um, but yeah, he's reached out to LeBron from what I'm told. He's, he's made contact with him. Uh, they've had a back and forth now for a couple of years. Now, do I think it's unlikely LeBron James goes to Dallas? I do. I think he's happy in LA. I think he's happy 
of being there, being a Laker, and his son, Bronny James, going to USC next year. So there's a lot of reasons why staying in LA makes the most sense for LeBron James. Uh, but I'm curious, going into this offseason, how do the Lakers handle it? How do they handle potentially lessening his workload going into year 21, age 39? Do they do they try to go get a guy like Kyrie Irving, Fred Van Vliet? Those are two uh, top point guards in the open market. And how does this impact Kyrie Irving's free agency? Can that Mavericks team get better? Yeah, if we start with the James part of it, you know, he did the two-year extension last year. Uh, that's $97 million. So if you look at some of the mechanisms, like he could get real vocal about it and say, you need to do this. But then when you look at the remaining package around what would be Kyrie and Luka, there's not, like, I like Josh Green. <laughs> I don't know that I like him that much. Um, and I, I think you brought up a really good point, too, is, you know, who knows how the L.A. fan base would treat it. But I think LeBron likes to historically be able to go back and say, I never forced my way out. I left as a free agent. I don't think this is the city with all of his interests that they've done a really good job of cultivating all the stuff off the court. I don't think it's the kind of city where you want to piss it off, even though maybe they would they would get over it or something like that. So there doesn't seem to be a lot of reason, unless you thought that Dallas with Luka, with Kyrie, and then trying to salvage whatever they could with the new CBA moving forward for the pieces around them, which would be really, really challenging. Because I don't even think that guarantees you some top spot in the West with all of it. So that part of it for the... Granted, it's it's a really interesting story, but the motivation behind that for LeBron, like a lot would have to change and he'd have to get to a point that I think he's very proud that he hasn't gotten to in the past by forcing his way out the ways other guys have. I, I, I do think that's actually important to him. Yeah, and I, I think there are a couple here mindsets that are similar, right? Like Kyrie Irving, clearly there's a desire. And I think the Mavericks and Mark Cuban, Nico Harrison, they all share that. They want to improve that team. Uh, they don't have many mechanisms to do it because of the salary cap and second apron. So they're going to be uh, r- really moving on a tight rope. And the Lakers, similarly, they get to the Western Conference Finals. Rob Palenka, that front office, I thought they made some shrewd moves at, at the deadline, going and, get, uh, uh, you know, going and getting Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. They got players. They got bodies in there that can help them win. Um, but now how do you take that next step, right? I think LeBron James even said it, like he's at a stage of his career where he's playing for a championship. He's playing for NBA Finals runs. And the Western Conference Finals, I think, was amazing for him in this organization. Uh, but I think, how can you take that next step? And D'Angelo Russell getting benched in that game four, that's probably the easiest position you can look at. Maybe back up big as well. Mo Bamba didn't play down the stretch. So the Lakers have some question marks. How do they, how do they improve the team? Do you run it back? Um, you know, because there, there is also, a, I think, a thought out there that D'Angelo Russell, bringing him back, might be your best bet. Um, so both teams will, are going to have to walk a tightrope and get creative to make their teams better. Okay, last thing on this piece, and because you've been on top of a lot of the Kyrie stuff, and if you go back to like even the bubble, you know Durant wasn't healthy. It didn't seem like he wanted to play. You know, some of the conversation got really weird about him even suggesting that he would want to start his own league, which I'd heard about from like a bunch of different people. Obviously, there was a little little tougher to pull that off. Um, but then, you know, look, I, I could say, well, he's actually worried about his money more now than maybe he would like you think. But at the same time, like he lost a lot of money by not getting vaccinated. So maybe it's not always that. But then I remember specifically last summer, there seemed to be some momentum. And you were talking about whether or not he could opt out and take the mid-level to end up in L.A. And I thought that felt a little bit like leverage for the Nets. And then ultimately it was like, you know what, I actually don't want to lose $30 million this year. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my player option and I'll figure this out. So I, I think he is capable of a lot of different things, but I, I always wonder how much of this is like realistic with him and that he's probably looking at making up some of the money he did lose through all the COVID stuff where it's like, all right, I can say I want all these things. And I'm sure he, you know, he and LeBron have been flirting with each other now for a couple of years. It just still feels like Dallas is the only thing that makes sense and that maybe part of this is leverage and hoping he gets the full four years um, because that's usually what – normally that's what I would always default to for with every player. I'd be like, this is what he's doing. He just wants to – he just wants well, to Well, I don't know sure how much leverage get- he needs though, right? Like I think Dallas is in a position now where they gave up two starters, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie. They gave up a first-round pick. They gave up multiple second-round picks. So I, I think the and if and if Kyrie somehow walks, like let's say he was he does, you know, let's say, you know, he went to the Lakers on the taxpayer mid-level exception, um, or he went to whatever team for the mid-level exception and took a pay cut, took like a thirty million dollar, twenty five million dollar pay cut. I mean, Dallas would be in a position where they have no way to to get that salary slot. Uh, they really don't have a way to get you know improve their team, um, and that's what puts them in a position where they they have to really retain Kyrie Irving. Um, and I think that everything I've heard in the last several weeks, ever since they made the trade for Kyrie Irving, they're, they're number one priority. They understand it from a salary perspective, from a team building perspective is, is bringing back Kyrie Irving. Now it's, it's, you know, we'll see over the next month or so when free agency starts, what numbers do they look at? It's going to be max. What does it gonna look like? How many years player option, all that. And I think that's stuff that they got to sort through, but I think it seems the first priority is how can we make this team better? Uh, you know, the Mavericks, how can they actually put those in a position to where, yes, when, if, if Kyrie Irving resigns, this is a team that, that, that that's going to have talent around them. Um, and I think that's the big question. Okay. Uh, this is a perfect segue then in a Harden because under normal circumstances, I could never imagine a guy who's this close to contending, no matter what you think of Philly. Uh, it's certainly a better contention situation than what Houston would be. Uh, the oddities with the over 38 rule, that extra year that normally Philly would have in its back pocket as leverage, I would go, oh, the player's just going to take the extra year because the over 38 it basically works out to be the same contract. We don't need to break all that stuff down. Um, what do you think he actually wants to do? So, Ryan, I, I don't think he knows it, 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 as far as what I know about his mindset. I, I don't think he he's he totally is there. I mean, we're less than a month out from free agency starting. Um, I, I really think that he's torn with the prospect of staying in Philadelphia or moving on to Houston potentially and returning back to his home. And that's where his roots are. His family is there, of course. They've got upwards of 60. They could make even more. Uh, money available, seventy, you know, close to seventy million in cash space. So they're going to have a ton of money, and I think this is a team in Houston where I, I do believe they're going to be aggressive in the marketplace. You know, potentially two-year deals out there, balloon type deals. I mean, I've heard them. You know, whether it's Dylan Brooks, Brooke Lopez, um, you know, obviously James Harden, they're going to be a team that's going to be trying to beef up that roster now. Whether that's you know th- anywhere from three to five veteran players, um, but I. My sense right now is that James Harden is someone that's torn. Like you said, Philadelphia makes, makes the big trade for him, moves Ben Simmons, uh, moves some draft assets, gets him. There's some familiarity there with him, with, with Daryl Morey uh, for years in Houston. They make the trade for him. They're, you know, with Nick Nurse there, like he said in the press conference when he was introduced in Philly, like it, James Harden wants to win. We want him back. Like we think we're a better team with James Harden. Of course they are. How is that team going to be different with Nick Nurse uh, schematically? 
game plan wise, how does he adjust? Uh, those are all conversations I think Nick Nurse and James Harden and um, you know Daryl Morey are gonna I, I assume are gonna have over the, over the coming weeks and as we get closer to free agency. Yeah, that one's that one's tougher because some days I'm like, man, he's just doing this to make sure Philly pays him. He just needs the he just needs the hint of Houston so that he can get the most out of Philly because it's still a it's still a little bit of a scary contract going into that last year of what Harden will end up make uh, making on that. And then when I left the combine, it was just weird. Like everybody was saying the same thing. And it was, it was so repetitive. It's like, oh, it's Houston, it's Houston, it's Houston. And I'd be like, well, what, what specifically tells you it's Houston? And it was never really that specific. It was just everybody kind of, I felt like was saying the same thing. And then you add nurse to it. And I don't know, but I just, I think I've also watched Harden long enough to know, I don't care who the hell's coaching. I know what it's going to look like at the end of a big game. Like, okay, cool. You ran a different play. Did it end up back with Harden? And he's going to be unsure of himself again, like he was in game seven against the Celtics or a bunch of other games. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like you said, I think it's, it's been kind of open-ended for a while now. And, and, you know, I hear probably the same stuff that sometimes you hear. Um, But my sense again, right now is that this is someone that is, is going to be, is, is torn. I think it's going to be, I think whichever way it goes, I think it's it's going to be relatively close, um, and that's why as we get closer to July one, June thirtieth, those conversations that he's going to have as the incumbent free agent with uh, Nick Nurse, with Daryl Morey, what their vision is for him, what their vision is for that team, what that offer ultimately is going to be versus comparing it to whatever Houston comes with on June thirtieth or July one, those are all very important factors. That's why I, it is a guy that I you you would you would assume you would think sits down with both teams. Um, you know, Philadelphia is going to have a window earlier, um, potentially, you know, going in and scheduling meetings. So, um, this is, this is, this is a situation now where we're, we're going to see, um, uh, you know, which, which way it lands. Okay. How, uh, how much are other teams around the league monitoring what happens with the Jalen Brown extension? Like, do other teams feel like this, this could definitely, you know, be somebody now that becomes more, you know, like we can all read the rumory stuff of like, oh, monitoring the situation or whatever. Um, but this one feels like it's there's a little bit more to there, depending which way it goes with Boston. Yeah, I mean, every team is going to be monitoring Jalen Brown. I mean, if you have cast face, if you don't have cast face, if you're a young team, you're an old team, like a- every team is going to be monitoring a guy like Jalen Brown. Um, you know, I-, I don't know how much it is Jalen versus how much it is all these teams that for sure want him. You know, if you're looking at it from Boston's perspective, you have two guys in, in their mid-20s, arguably two guys that are top 10 to 20 NBA players in this league. You know, Jalen Brown was voted to the All-NBA second team, Jason Tatum All-NBA first team. Um, and that extension, that Supermax extension, five years, almost $300 million. A year from now, I believe Jason Tatum is going to be up for a similar Supermax as well. Um, you know, what, what does Boston do? You know, if you don't offer that, do you ruffle feathers? You know, where does that leave you uh, with with a guy like Jalen Brown, who last year I reported he was offered. Um, he was put on the table for Kevin Durant, along with Derek White, along with the draft pick. Uh, Brooklyn wanted more. They wanted Marcus Smart. They wanted additional stuff. And that's where talks never really picked up. Kevin Durant ends up going back to Brooklyn. So this is a guy that he's heard his name in trade rumors before. The Anthony Davis saga, his names were out there uh, as well then, but Boston did not fully put him on the table back then. Um, but I, I think this is something where, um, you know, you assume it's offered to an extent because even if you a year from now or two years from now feel like, okay, we got to break these guys or, or we want to go a different direction with this team. You want to have your guys under contract. 
And um, I, I think at that point, if it is offered, it's going to end up being Jalen Brown's decision. Um, I think from from a lot of perspectives, optically, it's do these guys want to play with each other? I mean, I can only go by what I've heard and what I've what they've told me. I just sat down with Jalen a, a couple months ago, and his thing to me is like, I I love playing with with Jason Tatum. Like, I want him to succeed. Jason Tatum, I think, similarly wants uh, you know wants to play with Jalen Brown. He's been vocal about that as well. So, um, but again, winning and succeeding is different than you know actually saying you want to play with a guy. Were you surprised that Vogel ended up in Phoenix? I, I, I wasn't because when you look at what that organization seemed like they wanted, right, uh, after you you fire Monty Williams, you want a guy that's going to be able to connect with the players, a guy that's going to be able to collaborate with the front office, with new ownership. And also, um, I think defense, det- being detail-oriented, um, uh, schematically coming up with game plans, I think those are all important factors uh, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, those are two guys that I think just want uh, to be coached and 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 really have the right game plan on a night-to-night basis. So I think as they went through that finalist process, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Doc Rivers, Jordy Fernandez, Kevin Young, um, I never got the sense if they were going to hire, they were going to hire a first-time head coach. I always expected it, especially with this job, with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, that it would be someone with championship pedigree. And all those coaches that ended up being quote-unquote finalists um, you know, Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers, Frank Vogel all have a championship under the, their belt. And I think what Frank Vogel has going for him in Indy, he coached Paul George, Roy Hibbert, that group, two Eastern Conference Finals appearances, Lakers, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, they get to the finals. Um, they have one of the best records in the league one of the years, and, and then they lose in the playoffs. So I think I think this is this is a guy in Frank Vogel where they really believe um, you know, they, they'll have a chance and, and some championship pedigree. You know, this Lillard story, I feel like I'm just kind of being like, hey, let's just talk about the stories we've been talking about here for a while. Um, the Lillard one is is strange because I'd always been told, man, he just didn't want to go somewhere else to be second fiddle. Like, he likes being the main guy in Portland. And when you look at the numbers, and even as good as he was this year, uh, and I think the draft they're like in a weird spot where I wonder how much the draft could influence any of this stuff. Um, do you think he ever gets to the point, Chomps, that he decides, you know what, now it is time for me to move on? Because it it, it reminds me a little of the Garnett stuff like 15 years ago where it had kind of gone on and kind of gone on. You'd heard that maybe he wants out, but he never wanted to be that guy. And I think that's actually a good thing that Lillard deserves credit for is that if he's sniffing around, it's it's not he doesn't want to do it in the way that maybe some other players have done it. But it just seems crazy they're just going to run it all back and maybe take a guard with a third pick and not have another move up their sleeve. Yeah, I mean, I, I think th- they're at a crossroads in Portland. And uh, as much as is Dame, I think it's also Portland as well. Like they have Jeremy Grant as a free agent. I, I think they want to bring him back. You have the number three overall pick in the draft. What do you do with that? Do you trade it? Do you keep it? And if you if you keep it and you have another you know you have whether Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, someone like that, do you feel like does Dame feel like he can win and win big with those guys? And if you can't, and if he feels like he can't, I think he's been vocal about it as much as anyone. You know, even in, in his post in his exit press conference, his postseason exit press conference, it's like I don't really want to play with young players anymore. I want to go have a chance to compete for a championship. And if we're not going to do that here, then I you know. I think we both have to look. And I think he's been very upfront about that. I believe that's where it stands. That's why I think seeing how draft night plays out as we lead into the draft, what do they do with that number three overall pick, I think is going to be very important. 
Um, and then how does that shape Dame Lillard's perspective going into July? And it's, he's, it's not like he needs to do anything right now. He can wait. He can see how it goes and plays out. And I think he's going to give Portland that luxury. Um, but as an organization, I think Portland also is at a crossroads that they're going to have to decide what way are we going here? And I think Portland wants to compete and I think they want to win. But when you look at uh-huh. it realistically, can you win and can you compete at a high level with that roster? I just don't think they're good enough defensively, man. I think we have enough years of this where you look at it and go, like, Dame's terrific. Simons has come along great. I, Grant ended up being a much player, much better player than I wanted to, or that I thought he would be. I wasn't, like, rooting against him. I think they moved on from the Josh Hart thing because they knew they didn't want to pay him because he was going to opt out. But Nurkic is not healthy, and when he's healthy, he's terrible back there defensively. So I just... How many years do we have to keep watching the same group be this bad defensively? You have the same small backcourt where, you know, I think as great as Lillard is and because he's a favorite, but he's not losing on the biggest stage. They're not even competing that he he avoids all the shit that you would normally get for being as bad as he is defensively. Like he's really bad defensively. And I, I, you know, I would, (laughs) I would, I think I'd have a hard time. I just, if I were running it, I'd be like, I think it's time that we need to do something different. But it's also hard, too, when you're in a city where it's not a great destination for free agents. Nobody's ever going to ask to go to Portland. He can't bring anyone else to Portland. And when he's right, he is one of the most fun players in the league, too. So I get the dilemma. It's not an easy one. Um, Anyway, yeah, back to the draft thing. Uh, I just kind of went for a while there. That happens (laughs) in the pod. So welcome in. Um, Yeah, I think I remember your question. you know, I, I, obviously one is going to stick. I think, I, I do think, t- you know, at two uh, with Charlotte, I, I think that that holds firm. I think from three, four, five, yeah, like really three down, I think is is where it'll it'll get interesting. Uh, you know, and what Portland does, the draft probably like we'll see which way Charlotte goes. Do you go Scoot Henderson? Do you go Brandon Miller there? I think there's a lot of momentum. At times, from what I've been told, since com- since since lottery night, since combine week, for Brandon Miller at two, uh, but if it's not Brandon Miller, then Scoot, and then whoever else falls at three, the decision is is Portland, and they they have to figure out are they going to move the pick, keep the pick, um, you know. But there are also multiple teams, Utah, OKC, uh, teams that have multiple you know picks for years to come, and what do you do with those first? Yeah, and I should have. If we're talking about Portland, too, I should bring up Sharp and just the hope that it's like, wait, they might actually have something here, um, which is which is, I'm totally open to. But I, I shouldn't run through the entire roster and then go. But it, it's still a big ask for a second year dude to kind of change the course of what to this point has been a disappointing group. Um, the John Morant hint by Adam Silver was pretty interesting. And he said he didn't want to get further into it to take attention away from the finals um, unless he's being dramatic about it. But it seems like he's hinting at something massive. Bill and I talked about it on Sunday's pod where I feel like everybody's kind of accepted that if it's like half the season, that's okay. Uh, They'd know more than I do. I'm just a guy reading what I'm reading and and hearing what you're hearing. But what's your sense of what this job punishment is going to be and how that impacts the Grizzlies offseason on top of everything else? Yeah, I mean, the league hasn't shared it with, with John Morant, to my knowledge. I don't think they've shared it with the PA. You know, if, if Adam knows what the suspension is, it's it's like Adam knows it. Um, and, you know, Adam Silver, like like you just spoke about, I mean, he kind of laid it out there that, that you know, we've uncovered what, you know, a fair amount of information. Now, 
we'll see once the investigation comes out, like, did they uncover more stuff or did they just confirm that, yes, the gun, that was a real gun, that the image, you know, was him? Because remember, there was that talk around the combine, Adam Silver came out and said, we, you know, the, the, the image was grainy, you know, like it, it, the video, you know, was it, was it for sure him? Like, are those the things that they uncovered or was there something more? Um, I personally, when I saw those comments, I saw everyone's reaction. I personally took from it like we're doing our jobs. Like we confirm what we had to confirm. And I don't know what more, you know, they got from it. You know, I guess I'm going to find out just like everyone else's or hopefully I find out before. But um, I think, <laughs> you know, I'll just put it like this. Like Memphis has been pretty much in the mindset of since this happened, they were bracing for a significant suspension for John Moran. Now, is that two times how much he got last time, which was eight games? Do they give him, you know, 16, 18? Do they give him 20, 20 to 25? Also, school of thought that 30 to 40 wouldn't be, you know, out of the realm. But the only person at the end of the day that knows this, Adam Silver, Joe Dumars, like this is going to be Adam Silver. Just like the eight games, Adam Silver met with John Morant, came up with this decision. Um, you know, and I think relatively soon after the finals ends, uh, I think we all will know exactly how long that suspension is. All right. Well, yeah, we'll find out, man. Um, enjoy the rest of the finals. Uh, enjoy gearing up for the draft and free agency. And, and thanks for doing this today, man. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first, you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now, by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. And the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Bruce Feldman, hanging out with us here for a bit from The Athletic, also Fox Sports. Uh, excited always to catch up with him. Okay, so you did something with Max Olson recently, uh, a tampering confidential. You talked to different staffers around college football and how bad the tampering has gotten. Uh, of course, the transfer portal restrictions being 
lessened um, over the years and now the NIL stuff. So let's kind of just let's just break it all down here because there was a lot of really good stuff in there. How different is it right now with coaches trying to figure out who's going to stick around? I think the biggest thing, Ryan, is for roster management, which is such an issue for college coaches because typically it's a developmental sport and now they're all on their heels, right? And so as we got into this story, Max and I, as we started doing the reporting, we looked at it as, okay, a lot of schools are looking at the group of five schools and even FCS as kind of a farm system, right? Those those players, maybe they were under-recruited, maybe they're underdeveloped. Now they have actual college game film. We have players on our own roster that maybe didn't work out, maybe left early, whatever. And now we're plugging in, we're, we're poaching those guys, maybe with the guys of, hey, you can come on a bigger stage or get better NIL deals or real NIL deals, I guess it were. But what's, what we found also is that it is happening also at the Power Five level too. And everybody is susceptible to this. And some of the stories that we heard remember one coach was like, had told me we have other college coaches who are in our area doing high school recruiting and they're doing meetups with our players and our players aren't in the portal. Uh, I had one head coach tell me a player had come to him, one of his most talented players, probably the most talented player in his program. This is a group of five guy. And he said, we had a guy come in. He was like, I want to talk to you about the portal. I said, how much do you know about it? And he started telling him stuff. And he he already had been contacted by a coach and the portal hadn't even opened up yet. And so I think that's the part that is, you know, is really frustrating for coaches is that either other college coaches are being really brazen and blatant about it, where they're directly contacting the player and don't care about what's going to happen or what they're really doing is going to either a seven on seven coach or a trainer or going through a high school coach. And that's kind of the workaround to maybe, so it's not tampering, even if it kind of is. Yeah, because when I was reading all the different stories uh, that you were sharing here, and you know, a lot of it can be pretty simple in that it's it's survival. So some of the sources that you're getting are just going, hey, this is how much harder my job is. Like when I think about the group of five schools, like they're just kind of screwed, but they always were going to lose guys at the power five level. So I, I know that the numbers can seem like it's being sped up a little bit more, but I when I would read some of the quotes, I was like, I don't know, what'd you, what'd you think was going to happen? Because guess what? If you're a kid and you were a two or a three star, and now all of a sudden you're making all conference in the group of five, and now power five schools are reaching out to you, and they may be just using you as depth, but they're certainly not telling you that, that you're getting attention at still a pretty young age that you didn't get when all your other friends were getting out of high school it's not remotely surprising to see that that's a massive challenge for the group of five level. No, it's certainly when you look at it, think about how enticing it is to have people wooing you who never had showed an interest in you before. Nick Saban's coming after you. Ryan Day's coming after you. Jim Harbaugh's, you know, like those guys were not even looking at, you know, visiting your school when you were in high school. Now, all of a sudden, you're that you're the people people you're you're the guy people care about now. That is hard to to push away from. Um, you know, it's funny. There's a there's a story I did in this uh, winter. One of the hottest commodities who was in the portal in the winter was a guy named AJ Cornelius from New York City originally, and he was not a you know he was not a great prospect in high school. He probably wasn't in great shape. Didn't play at a high level uh, 
high school program. And Stefan Wheeler, who was a really good, you know, former really good offensive lineman in the Big Ten, was the co- offensive line coach at URI. And he took a chance on him and they developed him and he he started to blow up a little bit. And because of PFF, PFF has databases that you can, you know, in the premium side that that coaches can search and kind of find who evaluates really well. And it gives them kind of a head start. He started to blow up in PFF last fall. And all of a sudden, uh, all these coaches were like, hey, what's the deal with with AJ Cornelius? And so here's Stefan Wheeler going, you know, I want to help my guy out. I understand, but I'm, we're the ones who took a chance on him. We're the ones who developed him. And I feel, you know, it's, you know, it's tough because at the same time, it's your own job. And without that player, you're probably, I'm not saying you're going to get fired, but it's just harder to succeed that way. And I think, you know, you, he said, this kid did everything we asked except stay. You know, and he ended up going to Oregon. Now, by the way, Stefan Wheeler ended up changing jobs and he went to an Ivy League school. But I think that's the big thing for coaches is I had one one longtime uh, power five assistant coach who said, listen, I'm not going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I had a good job once and then somebody offered me more money at, a, at another good job and it was better for my family. So I moved and I took that job. It was like I was committed to that other program and those players that I had recruited. But then when I got a better offer, I left. So I'm not going to judge them or criticize them for doing the same thing. The only thing he really didn't like was guys who he was buddies with in the profession, who he had beers with and, and known for years. He was like, they did an end around and basically recruited my best player out of my room. And I know that's what happened. I was going to say my piece to them. And there's nothing I can do about it. Okay, you brought up a really interesting number, though, on the transfers and how successful the players have been as far as a draft rate um, in the transfer portal cycle of 21 and 22. So I think there's still some players left in this group that, what, could still be drafted, I imagine, right? There's still some eligible to be drafted, but this number was pretty staggering. Uh, of the 123 scholarship players, the group of five players that transfer to Power Five programs, um, as you say, some still have eligibility remaining, but just three were drafted this April. That is like an eye-opening number, yeah, because you know that you know that expression: the grass is always greener. Well, you know, yes, you could get a better on an NIL deal, but you go into a situation. And you don't know what you're going into. You may play less time. One of the coaches I talked to said he had a he had a good defensive back who had decent measurables. Went you know went up to a bigger program, kind of got exposed, and that player didn't get drafted. And you know like would he have gotten exposed later, maybe at the Senior Bowl, you know a year later? Who knows? But. I think some of those things where you get put in a different place, maybe they are you're you're not the star of the program. You're kind of competing for time, and maybe you don't get the amount of reps. I mean, we see this a lot where guys go up and they do play and they're contributors, but you know it doesn't always work out for them. I think everybody looks at this and thinks, you know, I'm going to be that Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow, you know, Ohio State wasn't playing him. He goes to LSU and he's arguably the greatest player in that school's history and leads him to a national title, wins a Heisman, and 
and every it takes off. But most of those cases, you know, don't work out that way. I'm not saying it never works. It just doesn't usually work to that degree. But you see a lot of times where, okay, what did you do? I mean, in our story, I, you know, we talked to Pat Narduzzi on the record. And he, you know, famously had Jordan Addison who won a Bolitnikoff. Jordan Addison, get, you know, after spring ends up going to USC. Pat Narduzzi is livid. He, you know, as he told us in the story, he called Lincoln Riley, you know, multiple times, was really pissed off, feels like it was tampering. Even if, even if it was not a case where it was directly Lincoln Riley contacting him, if it was Caleb Williams is from the same part of the country as Jordan Addison, maybe Caleb Williams was the initiator. Um, but, you know, the, one of the things for the PIP side was, hey, he needs you more than you need him, being like, you already won the Bolitnikov. You're not going to, you know, he, he needs you to help him win the Heisman. And I don't know exactly, you know, Jordan Addison left, left USC and became a, you know, mid late first round pick. And he was on a team that got a lot better. I would be curious, you know, five years from now, just if Jordan Addison were to say, yeah, I'm glad I made that move. I mean, hindsight is always 2020, but the thing that we're hearing a lot of also is, the NIL deals that are either promised or, or, or dangled, some of those haven't worked out the way I think a lot of the players think or assume they're going to they're gonna play out when they make that move. Okay. Um, two directions I can go ahead, but I want to stay on the NIL, NIL stuff because I want to get to it because it's so important. I, I think you're being nice about some of it not working out. It's, it's very clear, especially when it comes to some of the transfer portal stuff, that even in your piece, people that are furious about everything that's been happening are still saying, make sure you get the NIL money up front if you're going to be one of these transfer guys. Um, what do you think the ratio is of, hey, everything worked out, or this wasn't even close to what I was promised when I decided to change schools? I would guess it's around 20%, Ryan. I mean, a couple of things that go into that. Like We did this story at The Athletic on Jaden Rashada, who was a very hyped quarterback recruit from Northern California was really shopped around by an agent in Southern California who took him all, had him go all over the country, trying to basically reset the NIL market for a high school recruit. And at one point in our reporting, um, it was a $13 million offer, but it, the offer was not like the money that when we hear, you know, A-Rod was offered this for, you know, when he was, you know, with the Texas Rangers or whoever, you know, this is not like pro sports contracts. I feel like a lot of these are the kind you you have like written on a bar napkin at night. You know, they just I don't think there there's a lot of meat to these. I'm not saying they're all flimsy, but I think a lot of them, especially that Florida one that that Jaden Rashad ended up, Rashad ended up going for and then leaving, I think those are really sketchy because you know, the agents are putting these things out there. They're trying to get the word of mouth. So people think it's credible. So now all of a sudden, oh, well, that kid's getting 300,000. Now we got to pay somebody 400,000. And I don't think, I don't think anybody thinks these are, these are close to these numbers. I mean, some of them are, but it's a, I think it's a really small percentage from what I've heard. And the other thing that goes on, and we, you know, got into this in the story that Max and I did the other day was you have a lot of agents who year for years would say to a player, Hey, why don't you go in? Why don't you go into the draft right now? Maybe the player's a sixth round pick. And then the agents get, you know, a fractional commission of that, but they get something. So it's like, maybe, 
you know, 3% of whatever that player is going to get if they're a sixth round pick or a fifth round, maybe they hang around for a little while. Now the agents can tell a player, no, don't go in the draft. You're not ready yet. Let's try a change of scenery. We can get you X, Y, or Z from an NIL deal. If you transfer, the player transfers, but now the agent can get like 15 or 20% of that commission. So it may be close to the same amount of money that we're talking about, but they're getting a way bigger cut of it. So what's the agent's incentive is to tell somebody, hey, why don't we why don't we shop you around and see what we can get? Because a lot of these, you know, a lot of these schools, you know, that expression, one man's trash is another man's treasure. A lot of these schools will sit there and go, well, we know what we have. That guy's not very good. Maybe with a change of scenery, you know, this guy can be our, you know, Will Levis or whoever was not maybe playing much, but then they can get showcased with a different environment, come in and there's just like, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit like it's the girl from the other town who everybody's like really, you know, buzzing about when she shows up. It's like, who's that girl? And it's a big deal as opposed to like the person you've known for, for years. Yeah. Some of the NIL stuff, uh, again, as I learn more about it and hear some of the rumors and, uh, and you're saying 20% is, you're saying of the deals that you've heard about or whatever, the way it's talked about in the industry, 20% have come through. Like 20% of what was, what was like, promised I think is actually I think what those was made. Are, yeah, I think those are probably in the lines of a legitimate, like there's follow through. I don't buy that when it comes to the recruiting, you know, lures of some of this. It just doesn't make sense that that players are going to get what, you know, what we heard initially. And then all of a sudden you start asking around, like, yeah, that's not what they got or whatever. I just, you know, very dubious of it. And it, it honestly, Ryan, doesn't make sense if you think about it where, you know, like what, what ultimately happens when some of these kids who are rumored to get millions end up not living up to it. Like that business model is not sustainable because then it's kind of fool's gold. You're not, you're not going to offer that money or even close to that money when you realize the percentages of it working out is like really fractional, right? I mean, I did a little study where I looked at the last decade of five-star recruits. At best, about 30, 30% of those lived up to the hype at best. And that's before the NIL era kicked in, meaning that's before, like when we talked to, you know, did this Jaden Rashada story, you know, the Elite 11 guys had some interesting comments about how other players looked at Rashada when he showed up there. And it's like, you know, you're not just going to be known like for years, these guys were known as that guy's the five star, this guy's the four star or whatever. But now it's something It's a different distinction. You're the $13 million quarterback. When, when your teammates go out for dinner, guess who they expect to pay? It's not the, it's not the guy who is the three star. It's the guy who supposedly got $15 million or $13 million because that's all they know. You know, that's all they've known is that's how, how you are. You know, even if you didn't get 13 million, they're like, well, he must have got nine or whatever. Um, and I think that's a hard burden to wear. I know from our reporting, it was it really wore on Rashada when he was going through this. And so now you're going to have your own, you know, you know, all of these are going to happen you know, in their own little environments, maybe not to the same degree, but I think that's a heavy burden. And most of the kids, I think, will struggle to handle it just because, you know, I've heard stories even, you know, in my, you know, reporting last year around covering college football of a lot of kids who were starters 
probably, you know, come from maybe more stable situations. But even it was hard on them where their parents are now talking about, oh, they got us a, a, a second, they're renting or, you know, got a house in the college town to follow their son around because of the NIL money. And the kid knows that. And, and that's harder on some kids than, than I think we had, at least we had realized. It also creates weird locker room dynamics. I've heard a lot about that, about, you know, how that plays out and how coaches have to manage that. I'm not saying it's all bad, but I think there's a lot of burden and there's a lot of challenges that I think maybe until we start digging in, we're really not realizing that they're there. Yeah, I'm not sure how much the locker room stuff or any of that kind of bothers me because guys are getting money before. And so they would kind of hear about it or know. But now it's publicized in a way. And the Rashada story is really interesting because you're kind of like, wait, wh- why is he worth $13 million? And it felt like it was worth it to all the parties that were involved to present it. It was almost like the NFL free agency stuff that happens you're like wait that guy got that contract and it's like the first version of the reporting is this big number and then you dig in you're like actually years four five or nothing and six is not ever going to happen and here's the guaranteed money and actually he can be waived after this and so the goal behind that story when I was reading it which you guys did an awesome job on it felt like it was the headline factor of look at this kid who's going to Florida look at what this collective did look how you know look how smart and tight and you know, we're doing a better job with it. And I was like, I, I don't know. That one didn't make but, any but sense. Like, it's, it's nuts, Ryan, because if you think about it, the the agent who who um, got the first deal and it was for Nico, the quarterback from, from California who ended up going to Tennessee, you know, it's, it's north of $6 million. That's a ridiculous amount of money for a high school kid who's never played, you know, thrown a college pass even in a practice. And he's getting that before he goes there. Then the same agent now, is shopping this other kid around who's probably less, not as highly regarded by college coaches, but because there's less quarterbacks out there, he's trying to get people to talk about, all right, there's the $9 million deal or, you know, and so he can reset the market. Well, the thinking is the next quarterback who he gets in 2024 or 2025, what's that kid going to be? Is he going to be worth $20 million? I mean, it's insane to think that because like that's more money than, Kenny Pickett was going to get when he was, you know, drafted in the first round by the Steelers and wow, yeah. had co- had a college resume. And so it's not to say Kenny Pickett's going to turn out to be, you know, Terry Bradshaw for the Steelers, but at least there's a lot more, um, you know, at least there's a lot more proof and and of what he's done than a high school kid where it's just it's it's essentially a crapshoot at that point. Yeah, you're right. I guess if you're looking at the Kenny Pickett first round contract versus how much total it's not like the quarterback would be getting 20 million but then again like when you heard some of the Caleb Williams numbers transferring somewhere it was like okay well sign me up like I don't care what they are because he's going to be worth it we've already seen him play at a certain level I think the ones that are always surprising me and look I'm by the way I'm still glad everybody's getting their money but they'll be like a backup offensive lineman and then he'll ask somebody for 50 grand and you're just like wait why are you supposed to like, there's there's a so- coach you there's a coach I know you know well who's told me some stories of like guys they were interested and was like wait a minute somebody's paying that kid one hundred fifty thousand dollars that kid caught one touchdown last year you know and it's some there's of those, definitely like, there's definitely some momentum over it's like no no you're just supposed to give me money like do you did you not see the release and you're kind of like well yeah you're supposed to give some dudes money but <laughs> look and so good, go good for them right. if they can get them but right, if they right. if they can get it. But the the thing is, it's like, 
you know, this round, the, the thing that was really interesting this this spring is there was way less players in the portal that people were like really excited about than there were a year ago at this time. So you, what's your example about the offensive line got a line prospect is absolutely true where people are getting giddy over a guy who may be a serviceable power of five player, but it's not like you're talking about Orlando pace. And, and because there's just, there's just not a lot of bodies in there. Now what's going to happen is because a lot of programs haven't signed that many high school players because they've gone so hard into the portal they're not developing. And then you're going to, you know, it's like, you're going to have that void where it's going to keep going on just because there's not enough, there's not enough, you know, position players and, and linemen to be developed. So there's going to be that void, you know, in, you know, a couple of years from now as well. Okay. To finish up here, uh, you know, recruiting is basically trained all of these guys to do what they're doing. So it's, it's just this, it's the same category. It's just a different version of it. So when I read the piece, as much as I can understand how frustrating it is, how annoying it is. And then people feeling like, oh, we're just going to guys are going like third party representatives, a seven on seven coach, a high school coach, a relative, and they can go that way where there's not direct contacts. It's like, okay, but that's just repackaging. It's, that was already happening before in some, some other way. So part of me feels like, this this could turn into hey do you want to bitch about how tough your job is These guys were like yes absolutely i would like to share that with you i i love this stuff i'm always going to read it i just don't know that it's ever solvable i think it's just what it is and it's it's going to get worse before it ever gets better i don't cuz college football does a really bad job of of legislating anything i mean look around look at the conference stuff look at the scheduling stuff um they're not good at all getting on the same page. So this is this is going to remain a free-for-all, is my guess. Yeah, it's, you're exactly right. Because you have one side, you have the college coaches who are insanely competitive. They can't help themselves. And so they're, right. you know, they're fighting with themselves. And then you have the other part of this is you have a sport with zero leadership at the top end. The NCAA is checked out and is useless. And the people who run college football they can't even get out of their own way. So it's kind of, you know, I think it's, it's going to thrive in its own way in spite of itself, but because there's still, you know, it's still football and everybody, you know, is going to tune in and watch it. Maybe the attendance numbers aren't going to be as great. The coaches are going to be pissed off. You know, ultimately the coaches resource or recourse for this is either if you want your, if you want to have some semblance of a normal life, away, not twelve months of the year, then try to get an NFL job or go do what Chris Peterson did and and go move on to TV and 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 you know take your foot off the gas a little bit because you know it's too crazy. And I think it's only going to get crazier, Ryan, because you know they're they're not going to be able to legislate this, and no matter how much they try, I think they're just going to create more problems, right? Because people see money like this basically gave the keys to a lot of third party people that, as you said, were out there before, but now they, they have brought them more into the mainstream. So I, th- I don't, I don't think that's going to change. I just think that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a, an issue they're going to deal with. And I think there's going to be some good that comes with it. There's like, look, there's a lot of NIL deals you know, and there's a lot of athletes, not just college football players who are really benefiting. And I think those are good things. It's just, you know, the, like it's the coaches, they cannot help themselves. 
And it's a problem that I think largely they have created themselves. Yeah. And that's why I kind of land after I get done with the piece. It's like, man, that sucks. Also, don't really have a ton of sympathy. <laughs> no, I mean, so, yeah, it's like, I, yeah. look, but at the combine, I run into NFL coaches who are giddy that they have, you know, kind of a normal dad life come the spring when their buddies are manic and constantly checking their phones and, and paranoid about everything else and always looking over their shoulder. Um, but there's more money, you know, for a lot of them, there's probably more money in college coaching than, than there, you know, there's more jobs. So that's why it's like, that's the reality that they've chosen. Bruce Feldman, the athletic and Fox sports. Always great to catch up, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Ryan. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's. Unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life Advice is brought to you by Modelo. Let's face it, life can be hard, but Modelo believes that you are fighters, and you deserve a beer that's brewed for those of the fighting spirit. You deserve Modelo, the mark of a fighter. A rich Mexican lager made with premium hops for a crisp and refreshing taste. The perfect reward to celebrate perseverance no matter what life throws your way. Uh, what's up, everybody? Life Advice, rr at gmail.com. And Kyle is back east. Get ready. The countdown is on. It's very strange. I still don't quite understand how the YouTube part of the show works, which is probably uh, my fault. But we're looking at Kyle right now, and he has a boyish glow to him that I thought was a filter. So Rudy and I are agreement on this one. Like, he's got a weird look right now. He looks younger. He looks like a boy. He's back home. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's working for you, buddy. It's the jewel of the Hudson Valley. It's just what it does to you. Something about a kid in his hometown, you know? You got that, like, sepia tone... I don't know. It's just like it's a good look for you. You do look. You look good, man. And I'm I'm happy to say that. I knew the week of your wedding, you should look good. Thanks, thanks. I'm uh, I've held off on the haircut. I'm gonna get my um haircut on Wednesday, which would be tomorrow, by uh my like my childhood barber. First time in like 12 years, I think that that's happened. So uh, I guess I hope he doesn't fuck this up. I mean, (laughs) fingers crossed. I I didn't. I was like, oh, it'd be so great that the guy I used to get my haircut from is now like you know blown up pretty big and. And stuff like that, and and now it's just like I realize he hasn't touched my hair in like a decade. So <laughs> I guess the first time will be two days before the wedding. What's so going we'll on with that mustache? You think? I just want to. What am I going to do with it? I think I'll leave it up to him and be like, "What do you think we should do?" Um, I was just I wanted to give him the most canvas to work with here, so I just been kind of not touching anything. Are you planning to go like, yeah. shaving the face though? Are you like? I don't think so. I don't really like when I do that, so I don't think I'll do that. Um, 
Yeah, I would say don't do anything drastic because obviously the pitcher thing is pretty, it's pretty forever. Yeah, it looks uh, forever, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the mustache is definitely looking weird though right now, I would say, no matter what is going on. Huh. Like through this filter, again, you look you look like you're 22 right now. You look really happy, you're home, but there's a mustache angle that I'm I'm picking up that I don't know that's anyone's We think goal, it's not big it, enough? It's definitely not too big. No, it's not big enough. It's just spotty. It's spotty and it seems to be focused in the nostril area and then <laughs> kind of fades. Huh fades to the wings to the left and right well, all good but that notes, could just be i'll the, bring it up to yeah. my barber all good notes yeah. I'll, I'll be like hey you know the, can we do something about the spottiness of this um thanks yeah yeah any other time it i could, would say fuck off but i think this is good <laughs> this is good stuff thank you if you said it now i would accept it as well i just <laughs> i'm trying to have your back and I, I again this filter is really throwing me off it's like somebody sent us kyle's younger brother to produce the show for the day it's just an orange uh, room and there's like an orange old like old school light here so i don't know i maybe i, I could turn the lights off maybe i don't know No, we're fine we're fine we're fine right. with it okay. you're gonna be able to carry on <laughs> yeah yeah all right so uh let's get to a few of these uh we have a business proposal get hit by a football player gym business what's up guys thanks for reading this email I'm sitting here watching NHL playoffs and I see the Kachuk Eichel hit and I think to myself, what would that feel like? My next thought is, do I even have a way to ever feel that hit? I don't play in the NHL or NFL. I'm going to probably guess that. Uh, so I've never felt a hit like that. Then I started thinking, could I go to a gym or studio and safely get hit like an NFL or NHL player? Uh, like maybe the ice and boards are padded in the NHL style and maybe the grass is padded in the NFL style. You get to wear some extra pads. I start looking around on the Google and I can't find any place to do this at. Here's my business site. What time did he send this email? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's before midnight, East Coast. Very early West Coast. So, what day was it though? Was it a Friday, Saturday night? Oh, it was last night because oh, okay. the hit, the hit oh, was right. last true, night. Yeah. Um, here's the business idea open up gyms like these where people can have a simulated hit by an NFL or NHL player, controlled environment, likely machines and not humans hitting the patrons. Since it would be automated, I could offer customers to be hit at. 50 or 25% instead of 100 because I highly doubt there's a large market of people wanting to be decleated by Troy Palomalu. I would have to find uh, a way to purchase the rights to a Palomalu or Ronnie Lott hit number from Amazon Stats. Eh, I don't know. I don't know if you would have to do that. I remember the old pitching, uh, pitching machines in Miskwamakit where they were named after different Red Sox relievers. I doubt back then anybody was suing anybody um <laughs> but, know, whatever all right um customers Rod, could choose no dude way before that yeah. like way way like eckersley um you know and i'm talking like before oakland eckersley so um I, I look i mean he's asking a bunch of other questions about insurance and the legality of it all uh, he thinks that there's waivers that you could sign. I still think you're just getting sued, man. You're just inventing a business to be sued. And I don't think that there's a huge demand. I think there's a huge demand. Like the only place this would work is in a place where guys were younger and drunk all the time. Bachelor so maybe Vegas. Service, maybe. Yeah. yeah m maybe Vegas where guys are like, dude, I could, I could take that hit. And you can't. Your body wouldn't be conditioned to it. Most of us would, would be so fucked up from it. 
Um, if you're younger, you know, you might just recover. If you're older, dude, I mean, guys reach for stuff and they're out of commission for three days, just reaching. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I don't think it's a very good business plan. I think most people don't want to do it. I think there's a lot of people who would say they'd like to do it, definitely, which is still not, not a big enough number to market and then actually showing up to the place to then get smashed. So I don't even think you thought this was a good idea. So I don't know yeah. if he's really even asking us anything. I always, I mean, I always, I don't know how, how it would, it would work. Like, I mean, you see Kimbo Slice did this 10 years ago, right? I mean, this was, this was like his whole business model, right? Give him like, out you stand free. there, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a hundred bucks and I'll just murder you. And that's kind of, I don't know if he ever got sued or not, but like if, I mean, it, it's from what I heard, there's no like, when you're, when you're, you know, football coach tells you like, you got to be running as hard as you can. Otherwise you're going to get hurt. Like if you're just standing there waiting to take a hit, is where you get more hurt than if you're like running, you know, is this like a ball drill where you're running and trying to run through a hit or try to brace for hit, or you're just standing there waiting for somebody to come at you. Right. I mean, so if you're just, I think it's already off to a bad start. If the guy's just going to be standing there waiting for some machine to, <laughs> to come at a certain speed and crash into him. So um, I, I think you haven't thought it out, but yeah, the, the only, the only people that are going to do this is you who has this weird, you know, thought about whether I could take a hit or not and you probably wouldn't even go through with it or it would just be have to be like a, a bachelor party service where it's just like you're throwing like a <laughs> you're throwing a, a like a kid's party for an adult and like you know you, you just pay for a service and they come and set up in your backyard or something I don't think it's going to be a I don't think your parking lot's going to be full every day if you, if you you know you're a satellite office in the back of a gym so uh, it's probably just a no-go and maybe just open a food truck instead if you need to do something <laughs> I don't know <laughs> have a different business in mind I feel like I'm not as concerned with the legalities. I mean, you sign waivers for like any, like, I mean, I just went, I was at a bachelor party last weekend and we went like whitewater rafting in Maine, like 45 degree weather. And it was pretty miserable. And we signed a waiver and they're like, yeah, you could die. Like, you know, it is what it is. They give, they give you the whole spiel and you get caught under the water and you know, it's a, it's a recovery, not a rescue situation. I don't, I think, I think I'm not worried about the legality of it, but I just think who are the repeat customers? Like it happens one time. Like say you go once, are you going back? Like, is that, it feels like one of those things like, all right, yeah, I felt it. And then that's it. Like, are people going to be driving in from other States to get hit by a professional football player? Probably not. End of the the football, end of the fantasy football season. Maybe that's like a punishment for a few guys. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be, I think it's going to be spotty at best. Yeah. I, I, so I, you know, Maybe it's part of a bigger business, you know, maybe it's like a carnival <laughs> thing. Like it's, it's, it's you, you pitch this to a carnival and you go on the road, but I, I can't imagine that it's its own thing. Yeah. I mean, when's the next time you're going rafting? Uh, you, we probably could go like every five years. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause even rafting, like you go, maybe next time it won't be hypothermia inducing. How bad of a time was that? That sounds terrible. It was. So, so it was the first time we went, it was like 85, sunny, beautiful middle of July. It was awesome. Um, this time we drove up on a Thursday. It was 95 degrees out. And then two days later on Saturday when we were going, it was 45 degrees. Uh, shout out to Maine. And dudes were hungover. It was early in the morning. Everybody was looking for a way out. It was freezing cold. We put full wetsuits on, you know, even down to the shoes. And it actually wasn't as bad as you would think. You would think. I mean, it was definitely cold. Well, only one of my buddies actually fell into the water itself. And he was like, it actually wasn't that bad because the wind, there was no wind underwater. So it actually for, for like 30 seconds felt kind of good. Um, but it was pretty cold. I like, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Wouldn't recommend. There you go. Okay. Uh, we got uh, two females slash women nice. checking in. 
Uh, here we go. 23-year-old female, 5'6", 130. I'm not sure of my gym stats, but I got into running a few months ago. Just hit a six-and-a-half-minute mile, if that counts for anything. Not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah. Currently in grad school in a small town and have made friends with a group of girls that would not normally hang out with outside of school. It's kind of making the best out of a bad situation. Well, who's the coolest <laughs> chicken town? <laughs> not really on your level. <laughs> yeah, right. These girls are not cool. You're basically doing them a favor. <laughs> right. Normally wouldn't even give them the time of the day. All right. Uh, as there are not many people in my class and I'm six hours away from my hometown and close friends, the rest of the girls definitely consider me one of their closer friends. However, I cannot say the same at all. Again, what gave it away? I tolerate <laughs> them because it is my benefit for studying homework, et cetera. One girl, let's call her Amanda, has already asked me and the rest of the group to be bridesmaids in her December uh, 2023 wedding, which I reluctantly agreed to. We all went on her bachelorette trip in May this year. With all the wedding planning going on for Amanda's wedding, another girl, let's call her Rachel, told us she wants her uh, wants us to be in her wedding in November 24, uh, have all of us to be bridesmaids again. Losers. Rachel, Rachel <laughs> isn't even engaged yet. Well, maybe it's a little she's a cardboard planner. for the horse, right? I mean, yeah, I right, right. Here's my dilemma. I graduate in August 24. My plan was to basically disappear from the group and move on with my life. <laughs> Being in a wedding is expensive, let alone having to pay for student loans. I'd prefer not to spend time and money to be in a wedding of a person I don't consider a close friend. I know Rachel will definitely ask us to be in her wedding when the time comes, but I do not want to stay friends with this group longer than I have to. When Rachel does end up asking me to be a bridesmaid, how can I kindly let her down and tell her no after already agreeing to be in Amanda's wedding? Also open to any ideas of getting out of this impending situation. Thanks, my boyfriend and I love the pod. Uh, I, I think you're built for this. I don't think you give a shit. Um, so to ask us the soft way of doing it, I don't think you care about the soft way. You're openly admitting that you're only friends with these people because you had no other options. And you've already presented the case that like, you know that you're just kind of killing time and they think you're a lot cooler. So you have all the juice, it sounds like, too, in this dynamic. So if you're already kind of wired this way, I don't think you need our help, really. Like, hey, I don't want to go. You you don't want to be friends with these people at all. You're basically once you graduated, you've told us you're done with them. So, um, I'm surprised you feel like you have to be held to any kind of standard at all. Like, you, I don't I don't think you give a shit. So why do you need our advice? You're just going to tell. I don't know. Maybe you go to the first one and tell the next one. Yeah, I'll be gone. I'll be moving, and I won't be able to do that. I mean, honestly, if you give such an abrupt and a matter of fact answer, somebody's going to be so thrown off by your directness, <laughs> they're not even going to know what to do with you. And, and you're not going to win other people that transaction. Asking. Yeah, right. That means you just straight up say it. Like, yeah, after this, I'm not going to any of them. See ya. And, <laughs> you know, they're going to say what an asshole she day. was. And, yeah, and you're not going to care because <laughs> you don't care about this friend group. So, I. I think that's a route. I also think this could call for a big lie. Big lie. Find a big out. lie? Big lie. Huge lie. Um, and I think you could pull it off because you're going to be disappeared. And, um, you know, if you get caught, it really doesn't matter because you're not planning on doubling back to this group. So I think you just find out when it is. Month-long trip to Europe. That's what you say. That's what you say. You just you find out, like, uh, nah, kind of what it Instagram, is. Instagram, though. They're going to know. Well, you get but start po posting you'll, fake you'll be pictures. Disappeared. You'll be disappeared. And maybe you don't even post the, your thing. You know? I don't know. Uh, I just think this calls for a big lie. 
I think you could just be like, when is it? Oh, the whole month of August, I'm gone. I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm so, yeah, sorry. You know, but, uh, you know, the graduation party will be fun. You know, that'll be great. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think a big lie works, especially but, if you don't really care that much. But we're talking bachelorette party and to be in the wedding. That's, too, you know, that those aren't always a month apart. Like they could be more than a month apart. So you're, you'd have to, what's your excuse for the other one? If it's like, oh, a well, couple the, well, the apart. bachelorette party is just, there's something that comes up or something. You could even wait till like get a week up and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And don't then, funds uh, right now. Yeah. Or just something comes up. Like, I don't know. Um, something you pick what comes up but then you got your but then you got your big trip that's just everything's blocked out have you have you guys ever said no to being in a wedding no i've only been invited to two not a good question for kyle yeah <laughs> in a wedding in it yeah i don't hard. i maybe i don't but then I, then i didn't go I mean, I've, I've fucked up a few weddings where I've been like, oh yeah, I guess I'm not going to that. You know, when I was younger work stuff, you know, like, I think I've told the story a couple of times, but like one of my friends is getting married. I didn't RSVP cause I was in my twenties, just assuming I'll just show up. <laughs> well, they invited and, me, they know I'm going right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. right, right. I'm like, whatever, just let me know what time you guys are getting there. <laughs> and then, um, it was Sox Yankees. It was. NFL draft and the Celtics are playing the Pacers. And so I called my buddy Hal and I was like, Hey, I got a luxury suite uh, Pacer Celtics Friday night. You want to go? He's like, dickhead. I'm getting married Saturday. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah. He's like, you're coming. Right. And I was like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I was like, I don't think I, I was like, I don't think I am now that I thought about it. He's like, sweet. He's like, what the fuck, dude? And I go, yeah, but I, I actually have to work from Foxborough. It was the Vince Wilfork draft, I believe. So I was actually live from Foxborough, which I think is the only time I ever did anything like that. So work asked me to do like this extra day. So, you know, and I was just getting started in Boston. Um, so maybe, you know, I've been there a year or two, not even. And I was just like, dude, this is an awful weekend. He's like, yeah, well, I picked this weekend a while ago. And, it's, and so I just was like, oh, I you still yeah, talk to that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually still very close with him, but oh, right, I mean, good. luckily he was kind of wired that way to just go, you know, you're an idiot. And I was like, yep. Uh, and then I think the other thing too is that he was even kind of like, why don't you just come down for the reception? Like just drive down. And, and at that point I was like, yeah, I, I, you know. I, School's I, already probably, out, dude. I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I could even really like swing. I'm not even sure I could have afforded like a, a hotel room, like just outside of the budget uh, at that time. I mean, I wouldn't have been afraid of just saying I'll worry about it later and then having to deal with it later. But yeah, I've definitely screwed up some stuff like that. But this is like premeditated, you know. But as you've said in the email, your timeline is pretty specific. You graduate next year, August 24. You've got one girl here planning you to be a bridesmaid for a wedding that she's not even, you know, she's planning a wedding and she's not even engaged yet, which, you know, maybe she's just... Maybe these are Midwestern people and they've got it all mapped out. Maybe it's the South and, and people can't believe you're not married yet and you're 25. So, you know, different sensibilities all over the country here. But I, I think you're out is, uh, hey, once I'm gone, I'm gone. <laughs> this thing here, it's over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we had a good run. Just start hugging everybody and don't reach out again. You've You've been notified. Right, I, I don't I, think I don't I, think she I think that's needs a better option. Than, I think that's a better option than Kyle's option. I don't think than I don't the big like the lie. lie. If you don't want to feel that that way when you're telling them that, I think there's nothing wrong with a big lie. 
That's all. They've got a lot of other shit going on, you know. Because you don't the email was, I don't know. I read the email. I mean, I I don't even mean this like you seem rather matter of fact. Dare I say, leaning towards cold. You don't give a fuck about this friend group. Like it's a great amount of power that you have when you don't care how they feel. So, so just you know, keep it moving. Yeah, it's got that Larry David vibe when Marty Funkhauser was like, if you weren't my best friend, I would tear your head off. And Larry's like, I'm not your best friend. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just Larry David. It Just be a little unpleasant, I guess. Be honest and a little unpleasant. That's fine. I'd lie. All right. Uh, let's, let's go with another female. She says, I mean woman. Uh, all right. 33.58. Just ran a marathon in 4.26. I live in Santa Monica. I just started dating a guy about a month ago. Nothing serious. Uh, still feeling each other out, but we have a lot of fun together and I'm starting to like him. For a bit of context, he works in lending at a bank. Did not expect that would mean he was rich, but generally a decent paying job out in LA. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, it's not his bank. He's not the one lending the money. Uh, <laughs> sure, he says so, it that way sometimes though. <laughs> right. <laughs> Big party for my bank this week, you know, Christmas. Oh. I'm a bank teller. Ryan says to always tell everyone you work in banking. Um, all right. So one major issue, he's outwardly frugal. He's the type of person who would want to itemize a 10 plus person group dinner and count how many appetizers everyone ate, even if everyone was drinking. Some examples. On our first day, he made it a point to make sure we made it in time for happy hour, made it by a couple minutes and proceeded to get multiple beers before it ended. Anything to save $2 a beer. <laughs> That's understandable. I don't hate that. Yeah. That's understandable. He made it a point to get sure we made it in time for happy hour, made it by a couple minutes, then proceeded to get multiple beers before it ended. What's multiple beers? Did you like sit around with six Coors Lights and they were getting warm? <laughs> no, I think two, the extra beer or two if you're really planning on hammering that first one. Yeah. Sometimes guys hammer that first one. Um, Stanford last, last Sunday, <laughs> last Sunday we went. To a couple bars on the west side, had a few beers, split a pizza, which he paid for. I slept over at his place. Ew. And the next morning when we walked to get coffee, he asked if I could pay since he had gone over his budget the night before. Dude. Don't love that. Yeah. Don't love that. He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I love like what happens if you go over your budget and no one else is around? Then what happens <laughs> to your budget? Right? Like, ah, oh, man, did you even sleep over for the good stuff or did you sleep over? Because it's like at least here I have a budget buffer in the morning where if <laughs> I have to get coffee or juice, I have someone else I could try to offset whatever. Um, number three, we made a bet on the Nuggets Heat series being a bitter Celtics fan. Uh, I said the Heat wouldn't win more than one game. Hey, welcome to the club. His suggestion was for the loser to pay for dinner at a $2 sign restaurant. Yes, he said $2 <laughs> sign. So that means what? Like oh, medium yeah. expensive. Medium yeah. expensive. What are we talking? PF Chang's? Like one dollar one dollar sign is, you know, McDonald's and like, you know, some, you know, maybe there's some some diners that are like one dollar sign and then, you know, the three dollar signs is 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 pretty nice and four dollar signs is like, you know, like major domo's probably three dollar signs. And then uh four dollar signs is some shit you probably would have a hard time getting into. Two dollar signs. No, there's no five dollar signs. Nope, four is the max, I think. Okay. I think you're right. No, I guess I, I kind of knew when you look at like different places or whatever. I guess I just, I don't know. I just don't trust anything. All right. So $2 sign, is is it P.F. Chang's? Is it Applebee's? What is it? 
Yeah, I think Applebee's is probably the low end of $2 sign, and I think there's probably a higher end of $2 signs. All right. Okay. All right. So Texas Roadhouse, maybe. Texas Roadhouse. I had I had a great meal at a Texas Roadhouse. Well, I love Texas. Texas. Yeah. Then the one in West Hartford or East Hartford, I don't think was as good. The Texas. It lost some Texas along the way. <laughs> uh, I get paid well and have no issue with splitting paying for a meal or drink. And I understand that not everyone has the means or desire to go out all the time and pay for two. But I do think that if that is the case, he should be honest about it rather than constantly making comments about spending and costs that make me uncomfortable. How can I bring it up uh, that makes, well, how can I bring up that it makes me uncomfortable without coming off as rude or pretentious or I just move on because I'm pretty sure he isn't going to grow out of this phase. Uh, yeah, I think the number two one is so much worse than the other ones. Like, you want to make it to happy hour? Cool. No problem. You know, guys that are really frugal and kind of map it out, part of me envies them a little bit, you know, that you know that they're not going to put themselves in a situation financially because they're kind of wired the right way where other people can take some more financial risks and, you know, I look at stuff over the years and go, you know, maybe you could have tightened the screws up a little bit there. So there's, there's part of me that admires, admires, uh, somebody that is kind of mapping this out and it feels a little Ben Stiller-ish along came Polly risk management thing where because he works in lending that maybe there's some part of him that's like wired to do the job better because he's always thinking about things in, you know, this isn't risk and loans. This is, do, do you want to pay fucking two extra dollars for a beer? Uh, the the chances are, is this is kind of how he is. And he's always going to be this. And I think the number two option that you shared with us, where he asked you to cover his essential budget overflow the night before by getting him whole again, will he be up in the game the next day because his budget wouldn't be used on any breakfast stuff like coffee or juice. <laughs> so he'd be back to even. That's not somebody you want to marry unless you love that, right? If every other part of it's great. Does he have the shark gills for shark gill season? Maybe, you know, but that number two example is fucking lame. And if if the other ones bother you, that's the stuff that I think is really going to bother you. Yeah, I mean, if it if he what he meant was just like, yo, do you, I got dinner. Do you want to get breakfast? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think the over explanation is weird. But, you know, early on when you're dating someone and it's not like it's past the point of like, oh, this is our second date or whatever. Like you guys are staying at each other's houses and you're doing stuff together. Like it can feel like, damn it. I just I paid for the last three dinners and then we went got coffee in between and then I paid for lunch and then she wants to go out to breakfast. Like it can feel like, God, I'm just getting hammered here. And if I don't say anything, this is just going to be the the nature of things. And it, I don't know if that's what he was going for. He might have said it the wrong way, but just like, you know, it, like sometimes there's a it's a it, there's a your turn sort of thing that could happen here. And, um, you know, sometimes it happens with me with grocery trips and stuff. And it's like, all right, you know, we went out to lunch yesterday, went to get some coffee. We just, you know went to the grocery store and then it's like, oh, we got to run to the pharmacy. And I'm like standing at the counter. And I'm like, is she going to pull this out? It looks like she's not pulling out that purse. So it's like she's she hasn't gotten a hint. And maybe it's be like, you want to get this one? And I think that would have been a better way to say it if he was just like, you know, the way my budget's set up. <laughs> you know what I mean, it, it, that could that could be weird. But um, I, it, if you would know whether he was like just bad at explaining that or not. And then I know some couples that like who's pretty close to me. Uh, and the the folks that I'm marrying into who just they have like an app and it's like they're talking cents, you know, they're talking, they're talking, you know, 275, you know, just splitting the, you know, the $5 meal or something. But, 
it's just so that it's it's like they have an app and they just plug it in. It's like, all right, so you know, so far, you know, you're into me for eighty seven dollars and twenty five cents for you know the last four purchases, and you know maybe that's a way that you could see where you're at <laughs> without him having to tell you everything if that's what bothers you, or or maybe when you're out in a group, you know, and you're done, you're like, you got to stop doing this, like in the group. It's just it's throwing the the throwing the vibes off, and maybe he'll he'll understand it from that thing where you're like other people like I get you, but other people can't see it, you know, the way I see it. So, you know, maybe just cool off this. So those are, those are a couple options, but um, I don't know. I think what Ryan said, like it's, it, it's not going to change. It's, it's who this guy is. Right. So like, how much do you like this guy? <laughs> like, is, is this the only red flag is, is he, is he funny? Like, is he good? Is he super good looking? Obviously, he's not he, funny. He's got some. He, there's a good <laughs> chance he's not funny. Good. All right. Well said. Yeah. Good point. Uh, there's a good chance he, you know, he's got he's got some money. Um, so, like, do the other things sort of outweigh this one sort of if it's this one annoying thing to you? Uh, I totally understand why it wouldn't. It would probably piss me off. I mean, listen, there's some stuff like I'm married. Kyle's about to be married. Like, there's there's stuff that your partner cannot like about you and you guys are still going to be fine but at the right. end of the day, like what what would you say like the six things about your wife that you don't like <laughs> <laughs> uh well I, i'm just kidding no i'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of stuff that she, i'm trying to think of stuff she wouldn't like about me like i can be cold um i am very <laughs> i'm a, i'm a very i'm a realist like i'm very just like a no like this isn't gonna happen uh, I probably play too many video games from time to time. So like there's there's plenty of things that are knocks on me, but they weren't ultimately deal breakers <laughs> for her. So that's great. Uh, but if this is a deal breaker for you, that's totally fine. <laughs> what? What? No, I'm just it's just funny having you list the things that you think are like flaws about yeah, yourself. Like, where you're like, hey. No, because I mean, there's also kind of listening to you say this. It's another reason why Saruti and I get along so well. Because uh, it'd be like, what would you say about yourself? Like, there's going to be days where I'm just going to be very I'm moody. detached. I'm yeah. a moody guy. It is what it is. She's, a, she's be okay some with days it. You're like, what's this guy's deal today? Does he hate me? No, no. Just, you know, <laughs> got other things I'm thinking about for the next it's just few Tuesday. days. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're good. We're good. I'm so in love. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, you're the best. The only but thing I would say, me, though, leave is me alone. This guy, like if you bring this guy around your friends, your friends are going to like this guy. That's a, that's like like a classic red flag where people are like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's like splitting the bill this way. And he's like worried about, as Kyle said, like 50 cents I, on I, the bill. I think the overage one is such a red flag. It just is of like, hey, do you mind? Because last night I paid for stuff that you that he would bring it up. I, I don't think the guy should have to pay for every single thing. I'm a little old fashioned. I think it's okay that you're you're supposed to pay for most, but it's just it's just great. It's a great feeling when she goes to the car just like once mm -hmm. every, you know, if you're dating somebody seriously and once every few weeks she she pulls out the card. Like that's all I ever needed. Just knowing that it existed, that it was a slight possibility every now and then. Um and look, depending on your financial situation, that plays into it as well, too. You know, if you're more broke than she is, then yeah, you got to figure out some adjustments here on the fly. Um, but based on everything you've both said, or at least the way you've explained your financial situation and explained his financial situation. And I can also understand like the frugal person because like, what's the idea of like, why is everybody supposed to just go out and one guy whacks the tab with high end margaritas and <laughs> orders two extra fucking apps and an entree. And then everybody's going, oh, all right, 16 bucks for everybody here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I kind of get it. 
You know, especially like when I was broke and I'd go, oh, this fucking guy is going to order like a ribeye sidecar on top of everything else. But Although what, what would is. happen, right, what would happen in our friend group is the broke guys would go the other way. They'd hammer the tab knowing that, hey, you're going to get everything on a discount because we'll you're just going to whack this up <laughs> yeah. 20 bucks. But, you know, when you've known each other for 10 or 15 years and you hope it could balance out, it actually never balances out. The same guys that win by taking advantage of it were the ones that won every time. And it would just get to the point where guys would be like, hey, you're going to be excited tonight later in an hour knowing that you like ripped off the rest of us by ordering. Like one guy was like, Guys are like, hey, let's just do beers and burgers. Everybody's good, right? And then the guy turns. He's like, two Jack and Cokes. <laughs> we were like, what? What are you doing? And he's like, I'm getting Jack and Cokes. Like, but you already ordered yourself a second one. Who's the second one for? He's like, me. You know? <laughs> and so I'm like, that guy didn't give a shit. We'd all known each other long enough. So he figured like, all right, if these guys are going to get rid of me as a friend, it would have already happened. But yeah, it can get annoying. But you know, the number the number two one, can you help my overage so I can get back on track budget wise? That's 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 a I think I'd hide that or lie about it if I just started dating somebody. Tough to come back. That from he, that. Right. The fact that he couldn't hide that one the next day and you've been hanging out what a month. Just even if he felt that way and that's what he wanted to ask you, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Don't I ask agree. a girl that. I think you got to either ask, is this a quirk that's, is this a guy with a quirk that's going to be able to retire at the age of 55 because he's got a budget? Or is this just a guy that's insane? I think that's what yeah, you got to ask. Is he going to retire at 55 because you're now subsidizing his budget? <laughs> yeah. Like you are, you're going to be on a, on a budget your entire life then. Like you're going to have like, yeah. Even if you're retired, it's going to be like, ah, oh, we can't go on this vacation. We can't do that. And like, that sucks. Coming home. Can you sit down? I need to talk to you. Oh my God. What is it? So I've been noticing these magazine subscriptions. I don't think you're reading all of them. <laughs> what percentage would you say you read of this? Yeah. Is this 12 bucks a month going to really the best max? Like we maximize the net $12. Life advice has been brought to you by Modelo. The fighting spirit means never giving up, even when the odds are against you. And it's something you can taste in every sip of Modelo. This crisp golden lager has premium hops that make it the perfect reward to get through whatever challenges you're facing. You deserve this, so hold it up high. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options for Modelo near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve, as always. Uh, and we'll, we'll be checking in on Kyle throughout the week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.